Yeah, so this is what happens when Tan's not here. At least we didn't get like half have, a group. Yeah, we have to do two intros. So welcome again to the STC Fit <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Although it's not again for you guys. We just had a conversation with ourselves for 10 minutes. <laughs> which was good banter and you guys are going to miss out on all of it so yep. yeah sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> just talking about how we haven't had a guest on in a while because we don't like anybody anymore yeah yeah we just got <laughs> salty with everyone and yeah. don't want to hang out no i think it's actually just like yeah. we decide we we're going to podcast like two hours before we do and then yeah. we do it. that's it yeah we just haven't really had an opportunity to um approach anyone yeah yeah that's yeah. it or maybe so, we could ask even if uh like now that the audience is getting wider Yes. They have a uh, potential person that they would like us to get on. Mm. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah. And it's like if anyone in particular and we can reach out to them and say, you know, the audience likes to have you on. So would we. So would we. Yes. Not many people I'm not happy to have a chat with. No, definitely not. Yeah. yeah. We haven't had anyone we disagree with yet. So like, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder how that'd go. Maybe we should try and set that up. No, let's not, let's not set that up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like i don't know a, a vegan or something that tries to someone that's like tried to fight us yeah. on instagram before vegan. <laughs> <laughs> well, they always come after us yeah they, come after, you. they come after they us come after you because i watch more p's and q's when i talk about <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't i, I was, forget them yeah i can't be bothered dealing with someone with a confirmation bias it's like mm. just yeah i can't be fucked with that yeah unless they want to come on the podcast then we'll do it it's for entertainment all right well, there you go, guys. A bit of a challenge for you. Get us one. Get us a a host that you want on the show, and then maybe one that's you know for entertainment purposes for Ben, so he can debate them. Oh, call it a debate. All right. I don't. Yeah, we can't call it a debate though, because I'm like not that formal about it. It's not that structured. No, just an argument. Yeah, but it's just a passive argument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so as we was just saying in the other intro, like you just have to remember that you have the mic on. Yeah. Maybe you would need to actually like host that one because like. That'd be, that's it. It sounds like a tragedy already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to have like one word answers, one word like sentences. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, really interesting. So when Jason says that's really interesting, that means you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) so if this is the first episode you've ever listened to and you're working backwards there everyone's going to be like wait for jason to say that's interesting yeah um, just curious just curious about yes i'm about to challenge you on that i'm going to call you out on something (laughs) that you said i'm just saying curious so you don't get your back up yes (laughs) yes um so a little bit of cool news i've just brought it up now um 19,677 downloads. So we're very close to 20. So if you're listening now and the banter has been somewhat entertaining so far, (laughs) even though it's totally useless, um, screenshot gives a tag at at stcfit underscore learning um, at Ben Scott SE at Jason Glear underscore PC. And yeah, let's try and keep pushing it out a little bit. Yeah. So... We kind of re- re- sorry go. You can share the uh, if you use Spotify, you can just share straight into your story too. Oh, don't true. Even, don't even have to screenshot, guys. It's How fancy? Easy. Yeah, so it's Spotify. one less step. Spotify is where it's at for that. So basically, you have no excuse. No, we will, we will find you. Yeah. So we are kind of prepared-ish. We know what we're gonna talk about, just not yeah. 
Olympics. So look at us go. It's not bad for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Semi-prepared. Yeah. And it's pretty much just because we had heaps on on the weekend and we know we can talk about it. So yeah. um, we'll start with Saturday, which I wasn't there. So it'd be, I'm excited to hear about it because we haven't really talked about it either. Yeah. Um, the IFBB show. Yeah. Um, so I, we had, so I had uh, one of my clients uh, entering the physique category. Um, he was doing masters. Um, didn't want to track himself in the open. I was, I'm a bit, uh, I was a bit, um, not disappointed, but like definitely could have done it. Like, yeah. um, so I think next time if we get into that situation, I'll just be like, dude, put yourself in the open. Like, yeah. you know, you're definitely competitive, um, in that division. So don't get put off by, um, you know, just all these younger individuals. Yeah. When, when you actually look at bodybuilding as a, um, from a, a sport and, um, as a competition and stuff, can you hear all that? You're I like, can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so everyone that's driving in their car is like, "Why is my computer talking to me in my car?" It's like everyone just started decided to message me this then. Um, so yeah, when you look at it like bodybuilding, it's um, one of those things where like actually age and time under the bar is a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, we talked about it in the last episode, right? Like yeah. just building strength or building a physique just takes time. Yeah, man. Just um, even just that, like mature muscle, good lines, good definition. Yeah, just yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, he entered the uh the master's physique, and um, it was supposed to be a warm up, just like you know, get a bit of stage presence, get a bit of practice, uh, more like just posing on stage more than anything. Um, which is really really tough for anyone who hasn't done it. It's like really hard, like next day sore from like head to toe kind of thing um so yeah like i played around with some peak week stuff like we just i basically had that opportunity to just do whatever i wanted um we didn't really it, the result didn't matter yep. um so yeah and then yeah ended up getting a first placing so um <laughs> whoops <laughs> yeah, uh come up real good um there's probably a couple of things i um will do differently uh it's got to come this weekend and then uh we're doing nationals in two weeks um, so definitely like kind of set everything up for that. Like that'll be the, you know, like the big shaman that, you know, point where I've set this whole time frame from, cause I kind of just sprung it on me that we're doing these shows about, uh, four weeks into prep. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I only really given us the time frame to the other end point. So we just pushed the three weeks forward, but it didn't yeah. really matter. So we, yeah, we were just having fun. Um, so yeah, uh, came away with a win, showed him how to do some posing and stuff. Show was great. Um, the IFBB show is just a good show. Mm. Um, ran really well. Uh, Tony does a great job of like just you know getting his guys um, on and off. Yeah, um, you know, and just kind of ushering them along and keeping them to a time frame. Um, so yeah, like just kind of walked out at the end of the day with big smile on our faces. We're kind of just mucking around, laughing and stuff because we didn't really expect to kind of get um, the placing that we we got. Yeah, um, and then yeah, it's just like back on the horse. Back on the floor. This. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to mute my um everything. Yeah, <laughs> except for your voice. <laughs> Just too popular. So yeah, that's um. So that was it. Was really exciting. Um, Mick won his first show that we worked together, but um, I kind of only stepped on board at the end and took care of the conditioning part of it, the stage. Yeah. Um. So I had two weeks to basically just yeah manipulate and kind of you know bring a presence for the stage um which i still know i was a part of but like just because 
I wasn't actually actively involved in that prep. I didn't want to take that, just like that, you know, I didn't want to tell people that he got first and we coached and stuff. Like I just, yeah. I just didn't want to do that. I know people would have and stuff, but um, this one was just like much more special because it was like I was from start to finish. Yeah. Um, you know, we trained, we you know, adopted my method, my dieting strategies, everything. So I could pretty much just confidently take that one. So yeah, bowls easy here driving home. Yeah, it's cool to see. Obviously, Mick was there on Sunday as well. Like, just the the support he has for the entire kind of STC fit idea and method and all of that. Um, coming from other coaches and stuff, like he's obviously came in and just really got behind what we do. Loves the shit out of you, so it's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, it's um, we we actually and, uh, the other thing on top of that, like just as an online coach. Um, it's really fucking cool to meet your clients. Yeah. Like, it's really cool. Like we'd never like, with, you know, emails, we talked on the phone. Um, we talked on the phone a lot when we first started working together just cause I needed like that instant mm. communication. Um, but yeah, I was like looking forward to seeing you, man. And it's like been about eight months since yeah. we working together. So yeah, that was, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I remember we were walking through, um, the Arnold's it was just like, I know that person. Why do I know that person? It's like, because it's your fucking client, idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, we got national, no, VIX uh, for the NABBA this weekend. Um, and the other cool thing is like, uh, one as a natural and an untested federation as well. Mm. Um, so, that's another kind of, um, I guess it's like a motivator for other people. Like if they just like a federation, they like the bodies, they like the physiques, they like the way the show's run, like kind of way to put you off. Yeah. Um, Cause if you've got the criteria, like I think with some of those, some of these federations have been really clear cut with like each division. So it's like yeah. you, the criteria, you're competitive um, yeah. where I kind of feel like there's other ones where it's like who your coach is, mm. how many competitors they have. Yeah. Do they compete in that, that same federation themselves? Are they a pinup yeah. boy to, or pinup girl? Sorry. Yeah. To, um, you know, for social media and the, and the federation. So it's just like, yeah, you come in, you've got that criteria, you're competitive. So yeah. really like it. Yeah. Awesome. Any lessons from the prep, this first show, anything um, you maybe do that you're willing to share that you'll do differently going into the next shows? Lessons are, um, you always question your decisions, your own decisions. Like I um, always question every decision I make. Um, but that's like with every competitor I've had up to date, you're just like, is this the right decision? Um, it's a sign of a good coach, I think. Yeah. It's just a hard thing to sit with. Like, I don't think I can, anyone could really sit there and just go, I know exactly what's going to happen. Um, probably just be very clear on, uh, what shows we're doing and the time frame? Because um, this once those extra shows got bought in, I was just like, I'm happy with it. Just you know, I just wanted the expectations of me to be lowered if they were high. Because um, I was just like, you know, we just cut three weeks off what I was trying to do. So mm-hmm. um, usually we plan off those dates. That was a really interesting experience. But um, yeah, that that was about it. Just get the time frames right. But no, nah, it was pretty good, man. Like, is it, we get along kind of really is quite compliant um yeah you can any you know he just kind of gets it i'm like all right we have to suffer and it's he's just like okay um so yeah and i think every time the the cool thing is every time you go through a prep with anyone you learn something yeah 
So I like, I don't actually know if I would do anything differently because the only reason why I might do something differently is because I've learned something for that prep. Yeah. Um, so it's probably a good lesson as well. Yeah. yeah. Finding that um, at the moment I've got, we have to now four people, I think that are looking at their first kind of bikini shows next year, like proper, um, not pageants, actual bikini shows. Yeah. And it's like, a few of them are getting ready for this photo shoot and stuff. And it's just like, Oh, we'll do this. And that should work. That just doesn't quite hit where you want it to. Yeah. It's like, that's such valuable information to know that like, Oh, actually 1850 calories doesn't work for you. We need to actually be at 16 to have like consistent progress yeah. or just like, if we give you this much training volume, you freak out or you break or yeah. whatever, like, it's the same with powerlifting preps. They're the same thing. You learn um, something about that athlete. I, I had exactly the same peak protocol for three clients last year. Two of them just ate it up and it just almost killed the other one. So it's like, okay, like that method doesn't work for you. Um, we know now for next time. So valuable. And I think that's like when you said, I always question my decisions. And I, that's why I say that's a sign of a good coach. Because if you don't question it and you're just like, oh, well, the calculator said on this calories, you should do X or mm. the programming should do this based on the, the figures or the numbers or whatever. If you're not questioning it, when there's an outcome that maybe could be better, you will miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think um, if I'm just super reflecting, like just with everyone, it's like, or even if I just part some advice onto any, any coaches out there, even yourself when you're prepping someone is like, just go hard at the start. Mm. So you're ready. Like, I'm not saying Nick wasn't ready. Like he definitely is. Um, but it's just like, go hard at the start. So you've yep. got leeway. Yeah. You'd um, rather be feeding them in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you just yeah. want to have time. You don't want to be chasing. Like, you, yeah, we always say time's the thing that most people just don't have. Mm. Um, and even just don't be afraid to start a longer prep too. You know, we went over some strategies on the weekend of like, just kind of how to recomp and subtly diet people down even longer, lower, slower, and then you can go hard. Yeah. Um, I think I might do that with a lot of, a few people next year. I've got um, a fair few people competing again and new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't, it's not going to um, be a surprise to anyone of any of my guys. If it's like a 30 week mm. kind of thing um, with the idea of it just swinging yeah, and feeding them in at the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And even throughout to like that sort of time frame, like when you say that people think, Oh fuck 30 weeks. It's like, well, the, the, the two approaches that you commonly see are like eat at maintenance or at work or like more dumber. Um, It's just like eat whatever the fuck you want and don't track and don't do anything. And then like go into prep mode. It's like 12 weeks out, 16 weeks out or whatever. It's like, oh, well, that's dumb. <laughs> you probably should know what's going on and have all the variables ticked ready to go first. Then we pull the trigger. So like a 30-week prep, it's like, well, you're going to be tracking your macros and stuff anyway. If you're going aggressive early, that just means it's going to be easier at the back end from like a food intake. You're still going to be maybe tired and stuff because you're lean. But from a food intake standpoint, it's going to be easier than just like, you get the pressure of comp being really close. You're not where you want to be and it's hoping everything comes together in time rather than, eh, we've got heaps of time. And if we get there early, I get to feed you 
which is awesome. Yeah, and yeah, like like you said, prep's not um, just everyday suffering as well. It's just like you've got blocks of you could have blocks of different types of dieting methods and whatnot. Yeah, um, even diet breaks and stuff too. Yeah, well, they, they usually I'll set a time frame, like you know the system that I kind of use to get someone from A to B, um, and gives me a projected amount of weeks to achieve that outcome, and mm-hmm. then I'll add on more weeks and those weeks are usually in conjunction with deloads in conjunction with uh, higher like diet breaks and higher food weeks. So um, yeah, I think if you give yourself the time and you've got this thought process behind it, um, you're just like fulfilling your part of the agreement, which is the, you know, getting that person to stage in the best way possible, um, bringing the best package they can with the likelihood of them coming out of the show, um, you know, prepped to, not maintain their condition, but just like, you know, come back out in a really, you know, sustainable manner. Um, so yeah, I think um, that'll be, that's probably the, each time I do a prep, I just see the same trends. It's like mm. better to have more time always. Um, and I think it's important for like anyone who's considering going down this route, competing and stuff is to not just go to walk up to a coach and just expect them to, just prep you like 20 weeks. It's just like, it's the, the longer I do this stuff now, like I'm doing it wrong. Like people tick the boxes and you can do it with some people, but a lot of people, if this is like your first time and, um, or you've, you know, you, you're still a novice intermediate, um, you need a solid period before even like setting the prep date, um, just to get everything right. You know, sufficient muscle mass, um, yeah. sufficient metabolism, sufficient lifestyle knowledge about, you know, nutrition and getting your own routine right and fitting training in and being super committed to that. Um, there are some major considerations before yeah. you think about prepping with someone, you know? Yeah. And it is, um, one of my girls at the moment, we're kind of going through that phase of getting, establishing like the baselines and that first. It's like had a bit of coaching, but it was like, again, it was just like you, they got coaching to diet. Yeah. Like, okay. So what did they know about you before that? And what did you actually have in line when we talk about ducks in a row and stuff? What did you have in line before that? And it's, it's, and I wanted to talk about this today actually as well, if we will do it now. So then we do have time Um, just around like, Understanding the difference between this is happening. People think that losing weight and getting in shape for a bodybuilding contest or building strength in the gym or getting ready for a powerlifting contest is the same thing because they visually and the process is so visually close together. It's like, right, so you watch your diet and you train and you get in shape. It's like, yes. And then you watch your diet and you train and you compete. Yes, those things are the same, but the variables within them is so different. Um, And you need to be really clear, I think, on your long-term plans, whether that be like six to 12 months, even longer, of just kind of mapping out, like you said, with comps, what are you actually going to do? And then that makes that determines your outcomes. So um, just anecdotally, we had 
this particular client was like, oh, I've already bought a dress for my brother's wedding. Um, too hashtag thick to fit into it at the moment. Can we do like a four week mini cut to get into the dress? It's like, well, our main priority is a season next year. Um, so are you willing to sacrifice that four weeks, which we probably need to put muscle on for you right now to fit into that dress? If you are, that's fine. Like I don't, you kind of choose that, but being very clear on what the outcome is starts way before like you start putting your hashtag 13 weeks out on Instagram. Like um, it's an, it's an attitude and a mindset that's very different to just someone that goes to the gym and is in shape, maybe looks good in a bikini year round sort of thing. Yeah. And I think for like, as you're a, you're a good coach and, I'm a good coach and we stay good coaches like heavily invested in the client, heavily invested in fulfilling our end of the agreement that we have. So we want to make sure we're doing absolutely everything necessary to get that person to the outcome. So if it is maximizing whatever time we have in the, you know, quote unquote off season, yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to try and push that, um, you know, the emphasis of that as much as possible because it makes prep easier for us as coaches. It makes prep easier you know, as easy as it can be for the, for the client. And, you know, it's all about that total package on the day. And if an extra four weeks makes those delts and glutes look bigger, you know, and, you know, that's the difference between um, if this person, you know, is super competitive placing or not, or, you know, looking better from last year to this year or last season to this season, like we're going to take it. Yeah. Any, any, yep. any good coach is going to take that time. Yeah. And so will a good athlete. And that's something I've learned. The, the last 12 months is just like the good, the top end of all the athletes um, are the guys that every session they do is towards their outcome. And every yeah. training block is towards the outcome. And every, like, there's no, I'm in prep for a meet, so I start watching my food. Yeah. Like, yeah. I watch my food year round because I'm an athlete. Yeah. They just chip um, away each. Yeah. Just chipping away. And they do the basics super, super well. Yeah. Consistently over a long period of time. And that's what gives them six months, whether they're competing every six months or every 12 months, it's what gives them that consistent progress. And then you see the guys that like turn it on, turn it off and kind of just spin their wheels a little bit. Yeah. And I, yeah. And it, it can go so many different places. Like we spoke about it last week, like just all the week before, like that process mindset, compared to that outcome mindset. It's like being, if you're orientated on the process, like you get those one percenters and you do them really easily. Um, you're not, you're not motivated, you know, you're not motivated just like, you know, just fluctuates, not going off motivation is probably the easiest way to describe it. You're going off that commitment and that process to be a better person, be a better athlete, mm. you know, have a better outcome by doing these processes even when you don't want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you just like, focusing on just you know comp or whatever it is um and it, you're just thinking about prep and not you know before prep and your off season it makes things tough man makes yeah. things tough as a coach makes things tough as an athlete just not maximizing the the potential progress you can make yeah and for people who are in a game uh, a results business you know this is a results business and you and i are hired to do jobs yeah um with we're going to push that amongst anyone who has, who is expected 
to be an athlete. Yeah. That's to follow the plan, make sacrifices, be diligent, you know, maximize their time. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting um, thinking about the implications of that on the client as well, whether it be for bodybuilding or for powerlifting. Like imagine just deciding, say it's 12 to 16 weeks out, like I'm going to turn it on for prep now. It's yeah. like, all right, so what, what happens then? All of a sudden you have to prioritize your training higher than what you did before. So maybe you were skipping out on sessions, you weren't recovering properly, you were back like skipping accessory work or whatever it is. All of a sudden now you have to get that perfect. So there's pressure on that because it's not a normal, it's not a state of normality for you yeah. doing that right now. Then you've got to, okay, now I'm going to manage my sleep not a state of normal, have to add that, that's a stress. Now I'm going to manage my water. I'm going to manage my calories properly. I'm not going to drink on weekends. I'm going to approach social events differently. I've got to um, start going outside and prioritizing all of that. Like there's so many things that like you could have on autopilot that aren't going to cause you stress because you're so used to them. That's going to make that prep period so much easier if you're already doing it. Yeah, it's fuck, hit the nail on the head there, man. Yeah. Like it just don't make yeah, yeah. We we are we are a species that don't like change. So the least amount of changes you can make, um, especially in in prep for anything, the better. Yeah. Usually don't get that pushback after like a month. Yeah. Where it's like, fuck, this is so hard. Yeah. Like, where most of those things are in order. The only thing it is like, especially for the competitors and stuff, just management fatigue and management hunger. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I, just thinking about even like grand final weekend. Um, my mates are, are nice and privy to a beer. Don't mind a beer here and there. Yeah. Um, and it's even like, at, it's to the point now where I was like, I'm just going to have one beer with like the first bounce. Like, like it's not going to kill me. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. I actually had to be like, they all kind of, Oh, who wants one? Rah, rah, sweet. Didn't even look at me. And I was like, Oh, can, can I have one? Cause like everyone's just accepted. Like, well, Ben doesn't drink. He doesn't, that's not going to yeah. happen. Um, I'm not involved in that discussion around like, Hey, we're going to go get this. Whereas I just can't imagine being in prep mode and then having people like, do you want this? Do you want that? Why aren't you eating? Why aren't you doing this? And it's just like, you've already covered all of those bases because that's how you live all the time. Yeah. yeah that one really sucks too. Especially when you hang out with people you don't know. Yeah. 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 You just want to, yeah, I'm not a violent person, but you yeah. Know, you're you just want to punch people. <laughs> ask questions like that. <laughs> I'll remember, I'll remember that when you do your mini cut. <laughs> Uh, the mini cut's okay because you can see the you can see the sunlight. Like you can just yeah. see, yeah. It's like there'll be no uh, no invites to Okami or you can eat. No, four weeks is nothing, man. It's like yeah. I'm actually super pumped for it. Yeah, see what I can do. You know. Yeah. yeah. Did you have well, more to add on the the bodybuilding stuff from the weekend? Um, no, but there'll be plenty to update. Like we got another, you know, we've got two shows to go. Um, so yeah, we'll be plenty more on that front. Mm. And I'm really excited to see that end product. Yeah. So, um, which is always cool for us. Like phenomenal, no, nonetheless. And then 
Um, I actually got some cool feedback that um, like we might be on for next season as well, which is next year, um, which is kind of cool. Like, I think that it's a reflection of the ability to coach someone, um, be a little bit flexible in your uh, methods, but not in your principles, mm. uh, which we talk about all the time. But it's like, um, obviously, the first prep was really tough. Um, it had its effects downstream and obviously around you know, that inner circle of my client. So, you know, Mrs. wasn't too keen on competing again. You know, family were like, you know, we can't really do this. But this time around, it was like, oh, it's been, this is actually hasn't been that bad of an experience. And um, if you want to kind of do it again, which I really would like him to, because um, he's just got like heaps of potential. Mm. Um, he's kind of like, yeah, I think we can. So it just kind of shows just that valuable like just how valuable it is as a coach to just, I don't know. I feel like when you know a little bit more, you don't sweat the small stuff. You yeah. know, you hear about all these, these coaches like cracking it about, you know, not like these people eating foods that aren't on their meal plan and not giving people, you know, this day off because they've got, you know, family event or birthday or something. I don't know. You just kind of like, I, I feel like if you, when you know a little bit more about all the stuff, you kind of can make most of it work. I'm not saying, you know, you, life's a party and prep's a party and you know it's easy to get someone in shape but it's like there's just a couple of things that you could kind of manage yeah you know and it's the same with just coaching anyone in general like um you know you're gonna have those coaches that are just where they are in their career or knowledge or whatever a combination of both really um they just don't know enough so they get real strict you can't have that you can't do this Mm. you you know um and that can have a real big effect on someone especially if it's not the best practice and it's not the only practice. Yeah. I feel like it lends itself to the attitude of too much restriction creates pushback as well. Yeah, man. Like if you can, it's like, it's like the whole flexible dieting argument, which is around the idea of like, well, if you can have some chocolate and if you just had some, sometimes you wouldn't eat a block every three weeks. Yeah, it's like the same kind of idea. It's like, well, yeah, you can have a little bit of rope, but we've got a mutual respect as a client coach. And when I say no, it's no, but understand there will be times when it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, mate, you're hitting the nail on the head today. I've had an exceptional amount of caffeine today. Okay. Gradually, <laughs> I will, won't be able to get a word in, guys. Yes. Yes. Although it could go the other way. It could start to taper off. I just went to the most hipster, just a total segue, the most hipster bloody, I wouldn't even call it a cafe, man. It was like a brewery and a bar, but it was coffee. Of course it was. I paid $8 for a double espresso. What? Yeah. How big? Um, Like a double espresso. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, $8. (laughs) <laughs> a single was six dollars yeah and it like came like out of a keg shots, tub. it's like two shots of coffee mm. wow yeah and it was like yeah literally the place looked like a brewery and we sat at a bar and drank coffee it was the weirdest experience of my life and it was like proper like dudes with curled mustaches oh like, yeah, like, full stuff. yeah yeah full collingwood life um, yeah yeah, it's very strange. Very I, strange think, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. Coffee was pretty good. Like it's yeah. and, um, eight dollars, man. Like that's 
It was like it was full I'm, on. It was like and I'm not a tight. I'm not much of a tight ass, but like that's that's a lot. It was going to like a full on like hoity toity wine tasting type. Yep. Like the um, what do they call it? Is the nodes or the notes or whatever it right. is um, of like peach, strawberry, and something else in the coffee? And I was like. Yeah, oh, like- yeah, it tastes, tastes fruity for a coffee, I guess. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, it was a good coffee. It was just a very strange... Probably like that, um, that time we went to that uh, whiskey bar and we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> just give us something from Japan. <laughs> and like, remember we ordered that board and then we're like, uh, can we just have something to taste those shit as regular? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, country boy, dude from the West, like, you know, yeah. We're just we're just dressed up. We don't actually do this a lot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. All right, so we probably should move on to the seminar, mm. um, which I'm still like riding the way from that. It was fucking awesome, man. It was really really fun. It was a very good day. <clears throat> um, yeah, so 30, 30 people in a room, or thirty plus um, people in a room. Obviously the fundamental stuff in terms of the principles and ideas um, from yourself and then a little bit on different methodologies you could use um, some case studies from me. And then uh, I guess diving into the Q and a was really, really enjoyable. Um, the, the crowd we had probably an, a dead even split, I think between personal trainers and clients yeah. um, and everyone benefit from it which was positive like there was enough in it for the pts and there was not overly complex for the clientele which was really cool yeah 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 that was probably the best feedback was wasn't overwhelming just for the client's perspective um so they walked out with like a really clear vision of just like what to think about for them yeah just appreciate some of the considerations we're trying to do for them as well mm. you know from the the back end with the case studies and stuff. So like these are the, yeah. this is the way we're thinking about things for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Basically the, the take homes from most of the clients was just like tattoo, trust the process on the back of your hand and just do as you're told. <laughs> it takes time. Don't chase the shiny red ball. Got a lot more rope than you think as well. Usually yeah. the diets and, you know, if you take care of the principles and the, you know, the energy balance, the macronutrient splits, Yep. Mainly, sure you get your micros in. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the stuff's just really minor. Yeah, particularly most, if you're not. Most like, of it, yeah. Not a competitor as such, then like yeah. that's, you're pretty much done there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. What was your favorite part of the day? Well, when I could get a word in on the Q&A, it was good. Sorry, um, Jason. You were red hot. No, nah, you were red hot, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone, that's, anyone that's presented and then sits down for Q&A like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're on. Yeah. Uh, so I, I nailed was, my caffeine at that point too. Yeah, I, I was obviously uh, I had a bit of a break, so um, I kind of if I hesitated to answer, it was like you were already there. Yep. Yeah. Um, you had you had one second. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Q and A was always fun. It's always fun with Q and A. I really liked the whole day, man. Um, and I just like giving my um, unbiased opinion on just dieting and just how coaching is for me uh for clients as well like you know just being very honest with them you know being like you know i know you guys are gonna overeat and shit like 
you know, because then like, you know, most of my check-ins, my clients were like, oh, I'm super motivated, 10 out of 10 this week. I, you know, I've been mucking around and I've been, you know, non-compliant and I've been having a few things here and there. And it's just like, yeah, I know you do that. Yeah. Um, and I told you guys how I try and buffer that. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I know you don't, I can't buffer that because of your choices. And yeah. yeah. And so I, I just, I think being transparent like that, um, gets that respect as well that we're talking about that mutual respect. Like I'm never, I'm never going to be, you know, telling people off and, you know, be a dick about things or anything like that. Um, unless we've got a short time frame and that person's not doing what's expected of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just being really honest. I thought it was the best. Like it's a really good platform, even this platform um, to just address some things that you want to get out in the, in the space. Yeah. And you just hope that the person or the people that you know, you need to hear it, Yeah, hear it. And then they go, cool. That was the wake up call that I needed. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to, this is the goal for the week. You no. Know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was probably the, the cool part. And then just, you know, learning, practicing the presenting, you know, yeah. just always good. At, it's always fun to get up in front of a group of people and just work on your skills of communicating to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, what really stood out to me, obviously same, same deal, like love to the entire day. Um, the banter and stuff that we were able to have as well was, was fun. Like it wasn't serious the whole day, which was cool. But yes, speaking to uh, one of the attendees at the end um, and the description that he gave to us was along the lines of um, basically that he'd been to tons and tons of seminars and spent, lots of money and all of that and heard lots of cool stuff and had lots of knowledge, but really had no idea how to apply it and said that that was the standout difference from what we brought to the table was like, here's all the info and here's some ways not like, and we always clarify that it's not the way usually it's just the way we do things and your way is different to mine even. But yeah, this is some ways that you may actually go be, a, be able to go and apply that on Monday. And like the fact that clients' check-ins have changed, trainers' attitudes have changed, trainers, clients who weren't even there have been impacted as well off the back of it. Um, like when we sat down and decided to reformat our education um, offerings, I guess, through via the academy and into the mentorship, that was what we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we really nailed it on this topic. Yeah, I think we can keep ticking that box like that. That's something that both of us have, have found frustration within the industry is just like, go and listen to smart people talk about cool stuff, leave Monday and maybe be able to apply a couple of things, but not really totally be able to sort of see what their method is behind um, in front of their principles, I guess. Yeah, I don't know um, if it's a combination of like just whoever's taking has taken the seminars up to now just doesn't have a um, they haven't structured the the workshops properly and delivered the information or they don't know how to like it is really valuable hanging like obviously like Seth's a teacher that's mm -hmm. good to run by like how classes uh, get put together mm -hmm. and you know everything has a purpose so you write your purpose first and then everything kind of stems from there. So I don't know if it's a combination of just not having access to someone like that or people like that to 
make sure that whoever's attending your seminar walks away with a clear, those outcomes. Like, you know, when we stood up at the front, it's like my objective for you guys today is mm. understand this, have an understanding of this, have an understanding of that. Look at these case studies, be able to apply. Yeah. Um, or who knows, man, maybe some people are just a little bit scared to show their method too. Right? Yeah. I, I think it's actually, there was a shift when we were kind of coming up away from it was a shift into this like evidence-based model which i don't even know if we fall into or we don't like apparently we're the evidence-based dudes that aren't afraid to talk about our experiences in the trenches and use the trenches yeah which technically is still evidence anyway but that's a different conversation yeah Yeah. um you don't want to be that evidence-based that you have to sit there and like you know someone asks you to be in a paper well, yeah, you, you spend half an hour trying to dance around a question and you don't actually give an answer. Like sometimes like, you know, the, you know, we'll call it like, you know, say a new personal trainer. Sometimes you just need, they just need guidance and they just want direction. They don't want to get sent to an open space. They want to get sent yep. to a door. Yeah. Sometimes like, you know, it's like the ridiculous variations of like a dumbbell row. Like I could do yep. three or four or five different variations of a dumbbell row. So when I have someone come in who's, you know, shadowing or whatever, I just show them that standard single dumbbell row that we do. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's like one, you know, you should like at some point when you've gained enough experience, be able to sure say, Oh, it depends, but still direct what they're trying to ask to some usable, applicable yeah. information. And I think that's where, that's where the industry split off kind of went. There was, I'm kind of picturing clean eating, like lift heavy bra, don't track any data, have no real idea of what's going on. Um, just do what the biggest dude does. And then there started to be this more cerebral approach. And the cerebral approach was great, but it it had a tendency to kind of fall into that category of, everything was it depends and maybe and this and that and no one like you said was willing to kind of go this is the coaching decision i would make in that scenario and i think that's really powerful for people to go okay i can see how you put that all together and even i've been to seminars where people will get up at the start and kind of say um i'm not here to teach you methods i'm here to teach you principles or when you leave, I want you to ask, I want you to leave with more questions than you came in with. I'm like, I get it, and there's definitely value in those in that approach, um, but it takes it takes a really long time and doing that consistently and a certain type of person to kind of go away with those questions and then find the answers. Um, yeah. Whereas if you can give the principles. And like you said, like here's the open space and here's a couple of doors you might be able to walk through. And when you go through that door, so for this nutrition kind of thing, it's like, well, here's all the principles and here's one way that you might set it up. And then you go, okay, I'll go and set that up. And what happened? This part of it worked, this part didn't, this part of it worked, this part didn't. You're still teaching that critical mindset and doubting your decisions and stuff like we just spoke about that you're still doing. Um, with clients that are winning shows and that's where the lesson comes and you can then evolve within the trenches knowledge 
still based on this overarching principles. It's like, I did this method. This is what happened. Consult the principles. Right. I probably need to do this next. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know. I, I see a tremendous amount of value in still being on like when I was younger, I just, I trained, I hung around people that just said, just do this. It makes you big. Yeah. I did. That's, that's serious. I legit, I was that stereotype walked into the gym, biggest dude teach me how to work out. Like you're massive. It makes perfect fucking sense. That's why I hired you. So, um, <laughs> but I think like I was able to come full circle cause I kind of got to hang out with people that just were like, this is what works for me. I can't explain why, mm-hmm. but the best, the best lessons that I learned from them was like work ethic, consistency, you know, and they never second guessed themselves that much. So they just had this like confidence to just repeat the process. Right. Um, then I was like, kind of, Oh, you need to know why. So then I, you know, obviously going to school and hanging out with you guys and, you know, whatever we're here now, um, got a critical mindset, obviously based off all of that, but sometimes you still want to be able to try some shit that hasn't been proven and hasn't, you can't sit there and go like, I'm really comfortable now and just saying, this is what I do sometimes. And if yeah. they go, why? And I'm like, cause it works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's it. Like, I'm really comfortable in saying that I'm not going to say it for everything, but sometimes it's like, even like I'm willing to try some shit just even if I don't even know if it's going to fucking work or not. Yeah. Like, and I don't think I, I I feel like we don't want to take that away from people. Like you don't want to take that adventurous, like don't get me wrong. You can take it too far and do some fucking stupid shit, but like (laughs) it still has to apply to the principles. Yeah. You you don't want to, yeah. You don't want to be like boxed into this. Like, Oh, I've got to go and find this. This this is, I can prove this right now. I need to Mm -hmm. prove it before I go and do it. No, no. Does it make logical sense? Does it adhere to the principles? Give it a crack. Yeah. Have a go. Like, I don't know how many times I was like, Oh, I used to do that. Yep. And then I just found out the underlying mechanisms to it but it was like i used to do it because it just made sense in my head it made sense in my head because i knew the, the underlying principles to stuff i just couldn't rationalize yep. right there and then why mm-hmm. but i knew it would work yep. and it's the same thing like you just don't want to as a as a new trainer as a um and, and this is goes for anyone in any like anywhere and anything um like you just don't always have to prove shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be proven first because at some point everything was a theory, mm-hmm. everything. And, and, and that's agree with the statement. And I just add the caveat to if it falls in line with the principles. Yeah. So it's like saying like going and trying keto cause you'll lose more body fat. It's like that doesn't adhere to the principles. So that's kind of silly. Don't do that. Um, Trying a different method of applying a caloric deficit. As long as you're conceptualizing the idea behind the conceptual, uh, behind the caloric deficit, balancing protein, fiber, et cetera. Sweet. That meets what we, we kind of know that shit. We sort of have to stay inside this field but you can try different pockets within that field as much as you like. Yeah. Um, and there's so much content that I'm writing at the moment. Like just this week I've been working on um, our frequency recommendations. 
Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, this researcher says this, this researcher says this, this really good coach who's not a researcher says this, this other really good coach says this. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was just kind of like, all right, here's, we've just spent the 18 pages before this talking about the underlying principles of developing strength. So when we consider principles, or when we consider frequency, what's involved in that? It's like, oh, there's skill acquisition, there's hypertrophy, there's blah, 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 blah. So it probably makes sense to work within these ranges because of that reason. Yeah. And then you're able to go, oh, well, I've got, for example, like I've got a new client who's not very strong. So based on the principles of skill acquisition and fatigue coming from weight on the bar, they're not accumulating much fatigue and that would get better really quick. Jack the frequency up. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But don't think that high frequency is the frequency tra right. for training model because when you get someone strong, you're going to fuck them up. Yeah. Like, Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That was the biggest, um, biggest moment for me, I guess, within the, within the day was hearing that um, from someone who'd seen some like pretty good presenters and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. So do we want to, we've got some questions that we've got over just between the, the day and the, um, over yeah. the gram. A on the gram. Yeah. Do you want to go with the reverse dieting? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the topic on the day was about reverse dieting and like when to do it, why, um, how. Mm -hmm. So we didn't actually get to the question. So we thought this would be a cool platform yeah. just, you know, to start to, I guess, dissect it and stuff. So I guess um, probably best to describe to people what reverse dieting is. So it's funny because I'm actually writing a, a little article, um, a little informative post about uh, post-comp dieting strategies. And what I've actually identified is there's two popular dieting methods. Um, so we've got reverse dieting, which is basically like um, you got your calories mainly from like carbs and fats that incrementally increase um, post-comp up to, you know, quote unquote, uh, projected maintenance um, over a period of time. And the idea there is that we just gradually increase, uh, you know, energy input and, you know, subsequently increase need and upregulate metabolism and offset the adaptive thermogenesis that we would get over a period of dieting um, with the idea of trying to put on as little body fat as possible whilst getting back to that maintenance space. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's what we do anyway, but it just has a name now and it's called uh, recovery dieting. And what that seems to be right is calories that are mainly from carbs and fats, um, you know, jump to a small surplus immediately after weight loss phase ends. So the idea there is that we would offset or upregulate any adaptations from the dieting phase as fast as possible. 
the downside or the side effect of that is obviously the rather faster increase in weight and fat gain after the dieting phase. So they're pretty much the strategies that you've got to work with. So I think um, it's probably cool to just give context to like why maybe you would use one or the other. I've got a pretty good idea of why I would use both. And I've, I use both of them for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like we'll kind of just start with like, <laughs> when would be a good situation for reverse diet for you? Um, when would you use it? What's your preferred method? That'd be cool to know too. Just Yeah. So mine's probably more cut and dry maybe than yours is going to be um based off i can't remember who introduced it to me i actually think it was dean um from flex um spoke about the minnesota starvation experiment um they basically just took a heap of people and starved them to see what happened um they all (laughs) lost weight um but the there's a lot of information in within that experiment and the data that came out of it in terms of like the idea behind metabolic damage. Um, and the, the, if you put weight into that experiment, basically suggests that metabolic damage is, yeah. Um, at worst, you're going to downregulate your actual metabolic function by, thermogenesis than it is damage yeah so really it's just like when we talked about this in the last couple of episodes it's like you're gonna move less um is the main sort of thing that's going to happen so for mine the slow reverse diet doesn't make that much sense to me from a physical standpoint it's like I want that person to be able to eat as much food as they possibly can as soon as they can, because if they, whether it be a strength or physique outcome, they need as much energy as possible to either build muscle or increase performance. So my goal is to get them back to as much food as they can in the shortest possible time. Yeah. A, the only time I would implement a slower method would be if the psychology of the client required it. Yeah. So people who, and usually that just comes down to um, the psychology of the client in that they've been overweight. They don't understand the concept of maintenance, caloric deficit, energy output from an activity standpoint. And they think that just by eating what they used to eat, they'll get fat again. It's like, no, if you stay inside your, um, your new maintenance calories, then you should be fine. So methods, I guess to that is I will ideal scenario provided the clients got good buy-in and trust me after a dieting phase will be, I'll either recalculate what their proposed maintenance should be based on the weight that they've lost. Um, if they haven't lost a substantial amount of body weight or they've recomped, typically it's just like what their maintenance was before minus 10%. Um, And then just kind of reintroduce things from there and making typically what will happen is particularly for the powerlifters volume goes up. So activity goes up 
um, they increase fitness over a period of time as well. So they tend to feel better, move better because like peak phase is like the least lifestyle fitness <laughs> you can kind of be. Um, I actually sprained a bone in my foot because I did like double the amount of steps I normally do last Saturday. And I was like, oh, I think I have a stress fracture in my foot just from walking, um, which was lovely. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like su super like healthy being in a peak phase of powerlifting. So yeah, output comes up, calories come up. Usually they take care of themselves. The, the harder part to manage, I guess, if you're dealing with a physique client, you've got them kind of maxing out their output in the gym from steps, from training from all of those things and you're trying to manage that introducing food maybe either decreasing training or more than likely decreasing that forced neat i guess we could call it which is the steps and stuff yeah. and then there's a trade-off to that in that they're going to feel better so they're going to move more they're also more likely to be non-compliant so that 10 percent buffer tends to take care of you're probably going to do less four steps, but you'll increase your output because you feel better, but you're probably going to drop your adherence a little bit as well. That's a pretty standard method for me. Yeah. So that's your preferred method. Eh? Yes. Yeah. So um, I like the recovery diet, the, the recovery dieting method best. Um, the idea of just like making progress as fast as possible post show makes sense as a coach. Yeah. Um, so if that client's invested in making progress for, let's just say one season to the other. Um, so we'll go, um, you know, if we're doing season B both years um, and there's really nothing else and they're, they, they're fine with it, then I'm like, sweet, let's do it. So it's mm -hmm. just like calories up, all those calculations we talked about, take it factor in adaptive thermogenesis, um, you know, see what happens, monitor progress, boom, off we go. Um, weight gain, fat gain, just monitor what you can monitor and just along the way. If you've got someone doing um, a show, then afterwards they, you know, want to be uh, relatively lean and they've got a holiday or a photo shoot or something along those lines and the reverse method's great. Um, you can kind of just uh, play around with the energy in and energy out. So either peter back on the, some of the activity and increase the food or increase the food, keep the activity, peel the activity down later, like whatever um, kind of fits with the lifestyle of the client and how much activity they were doing in general. Um, so yeah, the longer, lower, the longer, lower, slower method might be okay for some people, but I just, it's going to take longer to get back to a point where we can start to make actual progress. So that person's not invested in, making exponential progress um, and maximizing the time that they can make that progress in until they potentially prep again or whatever. Um, then yeah, that method's okay. But if they are, then it's like, cool, jack it up. Um, and, you know, just own that the diet, the, sorry, the body fat's going to go up and the weight's going to go up a little bit, um, but you make progress. So yeah, it just kind of depends on the person. Um, and then like you said, if it's just, sometimes I've got a method that I would like, but I get a bit of pushback from the client. So just like, yeah, reverse yeah, yeah. them or I'll do something in between. I'll just yeah, yeah. bump up a significant amount, but not to the point where it's like kind of too high. 
and I'll sit there and then I'll just gradually try and just peel back their activity. Yeah. So I'm kind of doing it. And then I I'll like, I like making an agreement with the client too, of like a, a waist centimeter, a, a waist measurement guideline. I know you do pinches, so maybe something like that, but just kind of saying, all right, you started at an 80 centimeter waistline. You finished at a 70 centimeter waistline. So if we would go down to 74, you're still way, way, way leaner than when you started. You're eating more food, which is going to maybe contribute to a little bit on the waist, not necessarily all body fat. And if we get to 74, then we can kind of do an intermittent like low calorie phase to maybe pull it back down. But we kind of both agree that if it gets over 74, we've overshot it and it's too high. And yeah. most of the time, if they have, if a client has a, um, we have an agreement that I'm not going to allow that to happen. They feel a little bit better and yeah. then I can kind of play with stuff however I want after that. Yeah. Um, another really cool, interesting thing that I've been playing over my head using this platform again as a way of voicing it because that's what I like to do now. It's just like if you look at the potential benefits of increasing calories and managing body composition from like we've got low levels of body fat, we're tired and we are nowhere near at a level like performance wise, you still downregulate. Like, I don't care what anyone says. If I feed that person up, they're going to work better. Like it doesn't matter what your metric is. There's like, Oh, we haven't lost strength over this period. And this person's been able to do this. much. So you feed that person, they're fucking working harder than that. So you've got this highly stressed, like cortisol's through the roof, leptin's suppressed, energy availability is super low. So then that would affect, you know, thyroid hormones, so metabolic rate, sex hormones, overall vigor, mental health. Let's just use those, for example. Um, needs, total daily energy expenditures still probably down. So wouldn't elevating calories and de-stressing that individual potentially make more sense. And if we look at that, just that this, you know, I talk about it a lot lately, the sum of energy in versus the sum of energy going out. So if we get the calories up, we could get the output up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Would that not be a good method to use? And if you could sell it to the client like that, would they buy into it? Yeah, I think hundred percent. And it, it's yeah. like, I, I, that's exactly. So, Nobody comes to me without a clear outcome. So this reverse dieting conversation typically becomes more about the trust and relationship with a client. Maybe if like you're a PT that's working with primarily true gen pop type clients, like get fit, tone up sort of idea. Most of my clients have a particular um, outcome in mind. So even my like fat loss clients are very driven around fat loss. That's like, we have timelines, we have goals, we have very measured and they're super adherent as well. Um, sometimes more adherent than my actual athletes. So for mine, it's like, and I actually questioned this um, on a brand that has a diet calculator that uses this method. I won't say which one it is um, of which I am a member of the group because I've used it before. 
Um, and the one of the guys that kind of runs it was like, here's my before and afters. I did a reverse diet. I only put on X amount of body fat um, as a percentage and I put on X amount of lean body mass. I was kind of questioned it. I was like, okay, so if you hadn't have reverse, reverse diet, dieted, would you have put on more body fat and would you have built more muscle mass for the net gain to be the increase in body fat percentage? I actually calculated the numbers out based on his body mate and stuff that he posted. I was like, so you would have had to have gained X amount of body fat, which I think was like a couple of kilos of actual fat yeah. um, in that increase of caloric intake phase. And you would have then had a greater potential for hypertrophy because you have more calories available. You're going to train harder. You're going to be able to take more volume. Recovery is going to be better, etc. Would it not have worked out the same in the end? And you got to eat more food, feel better. Yeah. And then you can accumulate on top of that if you're, if you can. Yeah. You know, drive it so, later. Yeah. It got met with total resistance, which is, I actually yeah. didn't realize it was, um, one of the directors of the company. I just thought it was like someone that was using the app. And I was like, well, like maybe think about this because maybe you've kind of wasted 14 weeks not being at your proposed calorie intake. Um, and you could have actually got the same results, if not better in the same time. Worst case scenario, got the same results. Best case scenario, got better results. Either way, you would have been eating more food. How do they how do they put on fat and muscle by being in reverse? So I think it was like he over a six month period, he reversed yeah. up to what was oh, actually maintenance. So he's got yeah. But it, yeah. So if you had the same six month period, yeah. you could have just jacked it straight up and been in maybe a surplus or an undulating surplus over that entire period of time, mm. built more muscle, built more performance built more work capacity, increased training volume, increased more hypertrophy, makes more sense to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. When, well, I, when I kind of broke it down like that, I was like, well, that's kind of it for me for reverse dieting from a purely performance outcome. It's like if you want to build muscle, get stronger, increase performance, reverse dieting doesn't really make sense. If you have some psychological stuff that you're a bit worried about, we probably need to educate you a little bit more, but I just don't think that um, it's an effective method. We can do it in stages, but I would still do it much faster than the proposed models. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not that aware of if there's a set time frame for a reverse, but the longer you do it, I just feel like the less time you can maximize your ability to get results. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'd just keep it. If I was going to do a method like that, I'd try to do it over eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. It's like, how much, and it, you know, it's like, how much are you going to, like how literally are you increasing someone's calories over fucking six months? Like, yeah. I wish I could find the post and just see what the, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a feeling they, like to put that muscle on and that fat, there's no way like he would have got to a surplus quicker than he realized. Hmm. Like it just doesn't make any theoretical sense to yeah, so what I another consideration which I don't necessarily I can't say I know this, but if you're 
based on homeostatic, a preference for homeostasis, your body, and this is what we're basically talking about with that, um, downregulation of activity. Mm. If your body's constantly trying to reach homeostasis, you're gradually increasing calories on a weekly basis. There needs to be a period of time where that is technically a surplus for you before you respond and increase activity, create homeostasis. So technically, even though you're going from 2000 to 2200 calories, which is a still in a deficit for you until you match that energy output, because you've adapted to 2000, you're in a surplus for a period of time. Now I don't have any idea how long that is. And I would be curious if somebody does know to let me know um, what that kind of is, because I assume there's going to be some kind of trade off as to fat gain, but potential to build muscle in there as well. Whether it's for a day or four days, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know if it's that. I'm not saying that's wrong. I don't know. So if, you, if like, you're maintaining, if you're maintaining weight at 2000 calories, yeah, but there'll be a reason why you're maintaining weight though. Well, it's like, going to be based on energy out, right? So if you can yeah. go to 2200, do you just instantly burn and maintain, say you maintain weight, weight over a week, which is common with a reverse diet practice. You're trying to kind of maintain weight throughout that period. Yeah. So if you're maintaining weight by going from 2000 to 2200 or you're gaining a little bit, how, and then, so say you gain for a week and then stay the same. And when you yeah. stay the same, cause though, um, this dieting method, this app basically waits until you stop gaining weight and then it lets it level out and then it adds more calories. Yeah. Level out, add more calories, traditional kind of reverse dieting method. Yeah. There's got to be a time where you're gaining weight that technically, even though on paper, you're still in a deficit. Technically you're in a surplus because you haven't matched the energy output yet. So yeah, yeah, is that yeah. a little window where you can store fat and body weight and muscle. And how long is that available for you? And that yeah. was kind of my argument. It's like, well, if you're doing that on a weekly basis, you're still going to be the time in the surplus over say the 10 weeks it takes you to get there is still going to be the same amount of, is it still going to be the same amount of surplus time versus jumping it straight up? So if every time you increase your calories, you're in a surplus for four days and you do that 10 times, there's 40 days that you're in a surplus for. If you aim for maintenance straight away and you were able to reach maintenance in less than 40 days, you're at a benefit to increasing your calories straight away. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's, sense. they're just arbitrary numbers. Like the four days is totally made up out of my head. And I would say it differs person to person, lifestyle. It'd be too hard to actually quantify that. But under considering that process, it's like, all right, well, how long, how many of those days over the 10 week period am I in a surplus? And how long does it take for me to adapt to maintenance calories to then not be in a surplus if I didn't reverse? 
it's a really interesting topic to be honest. So I'll let you like nerd out on that during the week. Yeah, yeah. It's just like an elevated demand when you're like trying to synthesize tissue. For the ear people, I've just broken Jason's brain. (laughs) Yeah, just like, I don't know if you'd have enough resources available to synthesize tissue and like, yeah, I don't know if that person just got their metrics wrong. And it's like, to be honest, sometimes when you're using lean body mass as an indicator of like increase in muscle, it's like lean body mass isn't just contractile tissue it's glycogen water all that so a lot of times even like when people you know get a dexa in the last six weeks of their prep and it says they've gotten they've lost muscle most of the time it's just like you know collagen connective tissue glycogen fluid so when they go to rebound like when they um load up on carbs and stuff it's like i've heard stories of guys doing muscle camps and they get dexes and they get this um this protocol to do right and so what they do is deplete the fuck out of them right Mm -hmm. and then whilst they're on the muscle camp they load them with carbs and they obviously use other things to help get the the carbs into the cell you know and then they go and do a dexter at the end of it it's like oh no muscle my muscle camp put on like 10 kilos and so just that person stored you know the glycogen and the fluid and you know um but on a dexa they won't um extrapolate the differences you know it is what it is so i'm just there's so many things that you could pick that apart like just from that perspective as well and just thinking mechanistically not saying your theory is not um plausible and something that's not worth investigating um i'm just trying to rationalize it yeah yeah so but either way, it's like the method, in my opinion, is just stupid. Like it's yeah. just like maximize your potential, manage your body, manage your body fat along the way. Um, and it's like if your body fat gets too high, just eat a little bit less, get it down, and then keep going. Yeah. So give your body like putting on muscle is is a situation where you need to have an excess supply of resources because the demand to synthesize tissue is higher, mm-hmm. and for increased calories, you know, training volume increases calories. Um, so yeah, just fucking petering up little bits of food at a time just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, um, when we're trying to, you know, create tissue, it's hard to do. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that's probably my, my stance on it. My head is broken. That's all yes. I can say right now. I want to, I want to find somebody who can answer that question for me. Remove the case study idea, but just like, what's, what, yeah. What's the period of time of adaptation to an increase in caloric intake? Obviously, it's going to be varied depending on the amount and the individual. But yeah, using a reversing diet method, there's a certain amount of days over that period you're in a surplus. If that amount of days outweighs jacking your calories straight up to maintenance or just below, then it's a no-brainer that a faster method makes more sense. There you go, Tam. You can cut that one, mate. That's that's an Instagram grab. So some, so, and then just tag all the smart people we know yeah, that might be out there. Throw a line out and just see if we can get one. Yeah. Um, all right. So I feel like we've kind of stretched in the time. We have a lot of other questions. Perhaps we should save those for next week. Um, just having a look because some of these aren't that 
Yeah, I feel like oh, we answered one of them. Yeah, yeah, we did answer. We kind of answered pretty much all of them by one. Okay, cool. Like, you know, the criteria one, like we kind of just, like, like we know the criteria. Like, yeah. And we kind of just said it before as well. Yeah. So good prep, you know, good mindset around food, knows macros, knows training, you know, all those kind of things are the criteria that you're looking for as a, for, for yeah. a prep. Yeah, and, and don't, your dieting phase is not your prep. No, no, yeah, yes, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's more to it than that. Um, but yeah, that's, no, we pretty much got through them all. Yeah. Awesome. That's good. Nailed it by accident. Good conversation. Um, so thanks again, everyone that submitted questions. If you're on the Spotify, hit the share button. Yeah. I don't know where it is, but you'll find it. Really Something technolo- technological that Jason knows that I don't. I'm, I was going to say, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you've learned to, when you share questions, actually add your own question box. Yeah, well, that only happened in the last 24 hours. Which is adding a lot of value to the podcast because you're getting more questions now, which is great. Yeah, because <laughs> maybe maybe I would have got more questions yeah. in the past just like put the question box in there. Yeah. Yeah, and then the people have to do too many clicks, and I didn't actually know what he's like. Yeah, all those times I just be like, oh, I didn't get any questions, like, but it was because I was fucking up the post. Yeah, because no one could actually ask you anything. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of personal development going on here, guys. Yes, always, always be better. Yeah. Do it again, but less shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, last thing or two, couple of things before we head off. Um, first one is the nutrition programming seminar will be up digitally. Hopefully by the time this comes out, ready to go. Um, we're going to have a limited amount of numbers for that because it does tie into the Academy trial. So you also get everything that's involved in the Academy, including the one hour a week with Jason and I for the Q and a, um, but we can only take 10 people in that. Um, and we're offering that to the people that showed up on the day first, um, but there will be some spots available if you want to get involved with that. Just shoot us a message, a DM, I would assume, on either our account or Fit underscore learning, and we'll put you on the list for that. Um, if not, we'll have you ready to go in four weeks' time anyway. At the moment, we're in very serious discussions of bringing said seminar up to Sydney, um, which is kind of cool. Be our first interstate trip um, where we're on the other side of the chairs. We usually fly up there to watch other people talk. Yeah. Um, so we have had some pretty serious interest. So the more people we have, let us know that you'd be willing to show up and listen to us for more time other than just a podcast then the more seriously we'll take it and we'll we have one weekend in mind at the moment which we could book but we just want to make sure that we're not coming up for no one so um shoot us a dm if you're in sydney and you would like to come and even better if your facility would be able to host such an event yeah um because we're going to need a location for that as well yeah give us a share what Tag us, screenshot us, share from Spotify, do all that stuff. Yep. Potential we, guests. Yeah, guests. Sydney. Let's do this. Let's fucking heaps on. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, thanks, guys. All right, see you guys. See you see next you time. Later.